as Christians, Christ followers, we tend to focus our attention on praising God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemp. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us as we study the book of Ephesians. This is exciting. And as we do that, we're going to, three minutes, get ready to focus on what God is saying to us now. Corey and Ryan are here too. Corey? I'm going to be talking about Roman slavery in the context of Paul's teaching in Ephesians 5 and 6. Ryan? Today, Paul declares, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we're going to be practically applying this verse to our Bible study today. Very good. Excellent. Janice? Live in Christ's love and light. All right. Get your Bible guide out. Turn to the page. Let's open it up and look at what God is saying to us right now. Ephesians 5, 1-14 Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 is what we read today. It's really, really something as we focus on awake you who sleep. Now, many in the world today are the living dead. That sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? The living dead. But the meaning tells us that there is a possibility of living and not being truly alive. How do we live alive? I mean, experiencing all the pleasures and greatness of the almighty God. The answer is closer than you might think. Most of us do not see the answer because we are in the dark. We're in the dark web of trickery placed here by Satan 
That is the enemy of our souls, the evil manipulator of our thoughts. God desires us to focus our attention on him and not on this world. Now, this world has its fleeting pleasures, but does not truly know joy and happiness. That joy only comes with closeness to God through Jesus Christ. Paul tells us through the words of the Holy Spirit that we can live awake and begin to walk as children of the light. But to do that, we have to get our minds off the things in this world. And that might seem easier than you think, especially now when everything is going crazy in this world. But that's what we need to focus on today. Take your Bible guide. Turn to the passage because it is amazing. We're talking Ephesians chapter 5. A lot of people talk about Ephesians chapter 6, but we're talking about Ephesians chapter 5. Awake, you who sleep. Awake, you who sleep. This program is on many times in the morning on stations, early in the morning. So if you're just getting up, I would say awake. If you're, It's also on late at night. So if you're in the middle of the night, I would say awake. Or if you're watching it whenever you want to. But it's important to understand that God speaks to us. And so take your Bible guide. If you don't have one, you can write or call us and we'll send you one. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us. We need to be awake. We need to be people who are not always discouraged by the news. People who are not, oh no, what are we going to do? Help us, Lord, to hear your word. Help us to know what you're doing today. Help us to read your word. Help us to pray. Help us to reconnect with you and understand what you're saying. In Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, make it so, let it be so. Amen. This is interesting. And Ephesians 5 tells us the story. Let's go to the first verse. Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitators of God as dear children. That's a very important connection. And walk in love. <laughs> walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Did you hear what verse 2 said? But fornication and all uncleanness... Or covetedness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Do you understand what God is saying? Paul says for the power of the Holy Spirit, as Christians, we focus our attention by praising the Lord and giving thanks to him. We praise God and give thanks to him. Psalms has 150 chapters teaching us to do that. We should always keep Christ first in our awareness. Keep Christ first in our awareness. What does that mean? It means that when we get up and we get ready, when we're brushing our teeth and doing all that, and then we go down and read the Bible or we read the Bible, whatever we, we have to, in my view, we should read the Bible every day and pray, but we have to keep Christ at the center of our life. That's very important. So let's do that. 
Let's not get into all this weird stuff. Let's just focus on Christ. That's really important. And we can still watch the news and watch the, the shows and all that, but we focus our attention. Our true attention goes to Christ. All right. Ephesians 5, verse 5. I love this. Don't you love this? Great. For this you know, that no fornicator or sexually perverted person, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, worshiper of idols, or has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Do you understand what he said? That nobody has that inheritance unless they have Christ first. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Paul says there is a separation between good and evil. Obviously, we are not of this world, but we are in it. We are not of this world, but we are in it. So when we become Christians, we tend to be different. And we, I know many Christians who've lost friends. I've lost friends when we become Christians. But we, to be honest with you, I needed to lose some of those friends because they were not really good for me. I'll tell you right now. But we need to readjust our life to follow Jesus Christ. Not to become, you know, super saints and all this, but we need to become followers of Jesus Christ. We need to focus on him. That's what keeps us steady and firm in this crazy turn, turn over the, the craziness world. Now, watch this. This is verses 8 through 14. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light for the fruit of the spirit. This is, I love this, in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. It's shameful even to speak of it. But all things that are exposed are made manifest or made known by the light. For whatever makes made known is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. This is really important. We should not fellowship or make excuses to follow or glorify evil. God will help us if we seek to live right and to follow him. I just want to say a couple of things. First thing is that we need to separate ourselves from the world. But you say, well, how can I watch movies? Well, let me just tell you. It's not important that you watch what everybody else watches. There is a brilliant and great couple of studios making wonderful movies, great movies, awesome movies in these days. There are amazing radio stations that play the glory of God music. We should really focus our attention on them, shouldn't we? We shouldn't worry about what all these other people are doing, but we should focus our attention on God. And that's what these places are designed to do. Help us to do that today. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. 
That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. All right, so today's reading assignment is Ephesians chapters 5 and 6. And in this passage, specifically chapter 6, verse 12, Paul declares, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, this is one of the key verses in understanding much of what we read in the Bible. While there's the battle that's seen physically throughout the Bible, in reality, the battle that's going on is spiritual. It's a war between God and Satan that's been raging ever since Satan's fall. God announced in Genesis 3 that the seed, or the offspring of the woman, namely Jesus Christ, would one day crush the head of Satan. And so Satan has done everything he can to prevent his destruction. And when we realize the nature and scope of this war, it really brings to light a lot of biblical passages and the scripture as a whole. Check it out. While there are many brutal physical wars and battles recorded all throughout the Bible, the greater and real war is paraphysical, as Paul the Apostle affirms in Ephesians 6.12. The spiritual war between God and Satan is evident throughout Scripture and can be seen through a series of attacks and counterattacks. For instance, in the beginning God creates everything very good, but Satan, using Adam and Eve, manages to bring corruption to creation and brings sin and death into the world. God in turn announces his plan to bring about a redeemer, the so-called seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15, who will restore goodness to creation and eliminate Satan. Upon this divine declaration, Satan has now only one move. He must cut off that seed. In this he wastes no time, for he entices Adam and Eve's firstborn, Cain, into killing his righteous brother Abel. However, God provides another seed son, Seth. So Satan broadens his attack, by attempting to corrupt every human genealogy through the intermarriage of the fallen angels and women, this recorded in Genesis chapter 6. Tragically, God is forced to end the satanic rebellion through a worldwide flood. But all was not lost because God preserved Noah and his family since they were both righteous and genetically pure. But then, many years later, when the Hebrews are slaves in Egypt, Satan makes another attempt to cut off the seed. This he did through the Pharaoh, who commanded that all the male Hebrew babies be mercilessly slaughtered. But of course, God preserved his people through Moses, whom he hid right before Pharaoh's eyes. As time went on, Satan would make another attempt to exterminate the Jews through a man named Haman. But God used Queen Esther, a Jew herself, to save her people. Now 500 years had passed, and the seed, Jesus Christ, had just been born. Satan had but one more chance to cut him off. He would use the paranoid and jealous King Herod to issue a command for the slaughter of all male babies of Bethlehem. However, God warns Mary and Joseph to take Jesus to Egypt for refuge. Now it was too late. The seed had grown. So Satan had to change tactics. Now, instead of preventing his birth, he must prevent him from fulfilling his saving role, to die. He is forced to keep alive the one life that must be sacrificed so that all lives must be saved. This is why Satan offers Jesus the kingdoms of the world in place of the cross and why he uses the Apostle Peter 
to try and convince him that he should not give up his life. But Jesus turns to Peter and addresses Satan directly, Get behind me, Satan. With Messiah's death, resurrection, and return to heaven now fulfilled, Satan can now only attempt to prevent his second coming. This he is doing through the brutal persecution of the Jews, for he knows that if there is no Israel, then Christ cannot come back to fulfill his role as their Messiah and King. But of course, God will never allow Israel to be destroyed. Both Christ's second coming and Satan's demise is a sure thing. So as you can see, a lot of what's happening in the physical realm is a result of the greater war going on in the spiritual realm. And as I said before the segment, Paul the Apostle absolutely confirms this fact in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. So as you read and study the Bible, remember that this higher war is taking place. When you understand this, a lot of what occurs in the biblical narrative makes sense. And most importantly, it will also spur us on to equip the whole armor of God as Paul instructs us. This is really important to remember, especially now, because there are things in our lives that take place. There's a higher war going on. And so when we when we go into a situation and things start falling off the off the cart and we're doing different things and we're like, why? We have to understand as Christians, it's a higher war going on. It's very, very mm -hmm. important. Very important. Thank you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Corey. All right. Well, today we are going to be taking a look at Roman slavery, and then we're going to be talking about Ephesians 5 to 6. So take a look. The events and theology recorded in the New Testament of the Bible happened in the first century AD and in the vast area ruled by the Roman Empire. Naturally, then, knowing the cultural backdrop of the Roman world is important to understanding many references and cultural allusions in the New Testament. One such issue is that of citizenship and slavery. There was a large status divide within Roman society between people who had Roman citizenship and those who were slaves. Roman elite society was largely sustained through slave labor, but this slavery should not be confused with its more modern forms. In the Roman Empire, slavery was not based off of culture, race, or the color of your skin. Slaves could be captured in warfare, born into slavery, or go into slavery due to criminal activity. People could also sell family members or themselves into slavery due to dire financial issues. The circumstances in which slaves lived varied drastically. Slaves serving a family in urban settings were said to be much better off, often living with their master families, having close relationships with them that could aid them in being granted positions of great authority within the family, or being given status as a freedman, a once slave turned free and given Roman citizenship. Slaves living in rural conditions on country estates and farms are spoken of in ancient literature as generally having more difficult lives. They were involved in physical labor and not in close proximity to their master or family and therefore didn't have the same access for relationship development and opportunities. While urban and rural contexts would have made a difference in the slave's life, the personality of their owner had an even larger impact. Slaves were entirely at the mercy of their owner's temperament, with legal protection favoring only the owner. Interestingly, going into Roman slavery was compared with death. 
because when you became a slave, all of your previous relationships and social ties were cut. Your marriage was nullified, family relationships severed, your businesses and partnerships ended, legal protection of your personhood was removed, anything that you did in your old life was gone and you now served your master with all of yourself. Roman slavery did not have to be permanent. Slaves could purchase or be granted their freedom and become freedmen. They were still required to pay respect to their former owner and work for them for a set time each year, but they could become legal citizens and rise quite high in Roman society. It's important to note, however, that just because the possibility for freedom was there did not mean that it was attainable for all or even most Roman slaves. All right, so I brought up Roman slavery because Paul talks about the issue of Roman slavery in Ephesians 6, and, and it's continuing a conversation on roles within society. And I think it's really interesting because Ephesians 5 draws a lot of attention to itself because it's one of those chapters that talks about wives submitting to their husbands. And so it is obviously a, like absolute tinder for, um, you know, starting battles in our society today, our Western society. But if we take a step back and look at what Paul is actually saying, it's so interesting because in the culture in which he's living, there are all these uh, power dynamics and relationships that are already going on, just like there are in our society. And he comes in and he, he talks about mutual submission. So yes, the word submit is there for wives, but only after it says submit to all Christians, men and women, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then Paul goes into all all of these uh, relationships, wives and husbands, children and parents, and slaves and masters. And he encourages mutual submission. So wives submit to your husband. And that was normal in, in that, that, you know, first century CF, uh, CE or, or, or AD, of course, uh, that would just be a culture. Yeah, of course we have to, right? But husbands had rights. Parents had rights. Masters had rights. They could do whatever they wanted because the people underneath them were often seen as property. They had rights. They could do what they wanted. But what does Paul say? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Well, what is that other than a way of submitting yourself to the needs of another person. And it's the same with children. He says, children, obey your parents for this is right in the Lord. But fathers don't, he talks about taking care of the needs of your children and, and later on not embittering them. Well, what is that except submitting your rights to their needs as children. And the same with, with uh, bond servants or slaves and masters. He says, yes, slaves work as if you're working towards the Lord, but masters don't mistreat your servants. Treat them as if they belong to the Lord. And, and um, so there's this, he talks about mutual submission and then he goes into these different power dynamics that existed in his day 
And he, he exposits that out. Well, what does that look like in the, in the husband wife relationship? What does that look like in the child parent relationship? What does that look like in the slave master relationship? So I don't think Ephesians five and six should be as controversial as it is today because it's, it's Paul and, 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 you know, this is where we can, we, we can talk about it a little bit, but this seems to be Paul encouraging Christians to live in a different way within the confines of their society for not not for no reason, but to be a good witness and, and to bring Christ and, and grow the kingdom of God in their day and age, which is Absolutely. would have been a very difficult thing to do. And this is exactly, so I, we're going to blend Perfect. in with, with mine <laughs> because I said, live in Christ's love and light because he starts off by saying, therefore be imitators of God yes. as dear children. Yes. And that is not naturally in us. To be able to do that, we need uh, the, the help of God within us to be able to do that. And then to live that way, what a testimony that that becomes mm-hmm. as children of God. I think it's important to remember that being natural, everybody talks about being natural. Being natural is not necessarily being godly. And we need to understand that. Absolutely. Well, well like even even when you think about Colossians, right, where where... In Colossians, it, it talks about how Jesus Christ didn't utilize his position mm-hmm. as God. Instead, he submitted himself yes. to the form Human. of hum, uh, humanity yeah. so that he could rescue us. That's right. So there's a there's a higher there there's there's a higher calling. There's a higher purpose that yeah. each of us has, and it's not to demand the demand the rights that our society gives us it's instead yeah. to be focused on the well-being of others and growing the kingdom of god mm-hmm. growing people in truth not just getting what we can get because we can get away with it i think the question comes in this society and in this place is how do we build the kingdom of god here and now yes mm-hmm. and you know that it's not not by demanding our rights and standing up and protesting here and pro it's by understanding what the Bible says and living what the Bible Taking says. Taking it seriously. Taking it seriously. Absolutely. Exactly. That is absolutely critical. And that's that's how we don't fight wars. That's how we that's why we 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 pull back and we consider ourselves to be in submission. Well, yes, and then and and it goes a long way in explaining the end of Ephesians chapter six, where Paul then he's encouraging people: we don't fight against flesh and blood. That's right. We're actually fighting a spiritual, spiritual battle. And yes, sometimes that has physical connotations, yeah. but it, he it's really interesting to see Paul's counsel and mm-hmm. encouragement, isn't it? Very when it much comes so. to this area, we can't be imitators of God as dear children unless we are his children. John 1, 12, 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Mm-hmm.
Are you ready for your Bible guide to come for next year? Because it's gonna come in a few weeks if you're on the mailing list and may I encourage you to do that. Write to us or call us or go to Bible Discovery TV. Make sure you get on the list because it's really important. Very excited about next year because it's gonna be good. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Right now, let's pray. Lord, help me to remember that everything I see must be vetted by you. Everything that I do must be vetted by you. Help me today.